Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest experiences a student athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I sit down with Kyle Taylor. Kyle is a Tampa native and went to the University of Tampa for undergrad and grad school. Growing up, sports played a huge role in his life, and he ultimately got into cross country to stay in shape for soccer season, which led him to running cross country collegiately. During the episode, Kyle opens up about his experience with anxiety and disordered eating, what it's like participating in an individual sport like running versus a team sport, and the highs and lows of being a collegiate athlete. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am extremely excited to have you on our podcast um but for those listening kyle also has a story up on our stories site on morgansmessage.org if you want to go check that out but kyle to give the audience a little bit of background can you tell tell them who you are where you are and what you do sure yeah of course thanks for having me uh so um I'm a bit farther removed uh, from college and, uh, you know, specifically my my college athletics uh, than many of your, I'd say most of your stories currently. And and that's particularly why I'm, you know, excited to join because uh, my journey with mental health has uh, started before and (laughs) exists, you know, it will continue until the day I die basically, but, you know, has, 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 I dealt with the you know, trials and tribulations of, of my own mental health journey well beyond uh, the college years. And I think now with about a decade uh, or so, you know, removed from, from undergraduate studies, uh, you know, I had more time to work and reflect on, on just that journey. And, and, you know, I'm finally at a place where I think uh, uh, I feel comfortable sharing sharing my story for one but also you know i'm in a place where i can't share my story uh you know i'm so to speak proverbially speaking on the other side and um you know i'm a marketing professional by day based in atlanta georgia and um you know i've been been in that marketing field for the past 10 years you know dedicated really you know dedicated on growing my career there but um uh you know Again, happy to to share my story. As you mentioned, I do have a story on the website, and uh, uh, it's basically spark notes. I hope of what this conversation will be, because quite frankly, you know, uh, everyone's story is different, and and you know, by default, <laughs> uh, you know, all humans are different. So by you know, obviously, that's implied that <laughs> all of our stories will be different. But you know, I think mine mine truly is uh, for for many in many respects. Specs and you know I'm happy to uh, uh, to dive dive deeper into some of that and and uh, you know shed a new perspective on on uh, on mental health and, and whatever that means to whoever's listening. Awesome, 
Yeah, I want to get right into it. Um, take us back to growing up. What what kind of role did sports play in your life? And then tangentially, like, what were the conversations like when it came to mental health in your community? Uh, so by and large, like sports were were everything for me growing up. I mean, second to academics, um, you know, they were right up there. Uh, the latter being forced upon me, myself, by my parents, uh, you know, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, as long as I can remember, I played sports, you know, mostly soccer uh, and some, you know, other random sports here and there during middle school and whatnot growing up. But really into high school, I, I was dead set on on soccer and, and you know, being the best I could uh, at it. And and frankly, it, it feels almost silly to think about now, but, you know, I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. I couldn't imagine uh, like sports or competition, you know, not being part of my life. And uh, uh, frankly, it's, it's just a fraction of my life. So uh, um, yeah, I was, I was all, I was consumed by sports is, is basically the point of, of that. <laughs> Um, and with sports or without sports, really, what were, if there were any, um, the conversations like when it came to mental health, when you were growing up? Um, I mean, there were none, I mean, and I didn't grow up in a, a day and age too long ago, but, you know, we're talking, you know, I was a teenager, uh, technically a teenager teenager uh you know 13 15 years ago and the conversation was totally different uh, you know it is it's kind of funny thinking back uh my club soccer coach was was on to something uh you know he used to actually talk about it what I, what now <laughs> it, given the luxury of hindsight uh was mental health but at the time everyone just laughed and joked and was like this, this guy's a looney tune. I mean, he had this one phrase where, you know, at the end of practice or, or a game or generally when something uh, bad or didn't or bad happened or didn't go as planned, he, you know, his he would have like some words to wisdom where he would point to his head and just say, you know, guys, it's all up here. And obviously, there, in many cases or instances, he would uh, go, you know, go a little deeper into what he meant. But it was uh, uh you know, he was the only person that really, in 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 my experience in sports, mentioned any aspect of the mental side of it. Uh, and you know, he, he wasn't specifically referring to mental health, but he was uh, referring to the entire picture, the entire uh, you know mental aspect of sport. Uh, and at the time, you know, people were like, "What is this guy talking about?" <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, but I mean, by and large, uh, the conversation is ha- and just the entire perspective on mental health has changed dramatically uh, in just the last ten years or so, and and it should be a a, a you know central subject in and youth sport and youth competition. Uh, um, no, I I mean, what a wise coach! I think <laughs> I had, I had some coaches who we're able to kind of see, see through the smoke and mirrors and we're like, what's going on. Um, and I had the other side of coaches that it was like, you know, 
be mentally tougher, you know, be this. And you're kind of like, wait, what's going on? Um, that's not, that's not helping me be tougher. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's awesome. I, I know you mentioned that he was your soccer coach. Can you get into a little bit about like what your, what you kind of specialized in, in terms of sport and like your journey with soccer? Cause I know you didn't end up playing soccer in college spoiler alert to the audience um so I want to hear about the journey that you had in in high school yeah it's really interesting so uh it my journey took uh a fork in the road or or I met a fork in the road on my journey in uh probably sophomore into junior year of high school and it was a confluence of factors I mean one was just getting burnt out from the the rigorous and competitive uh you know club soccer scene um you know everyone all of my teammates at the time were also looking to continue their playing careers into college and um uh you know that has its pros and cons but um coinciding with my particular uh uh with with, with me and, and just who I am and who I was at the time uh, you know, I was also battling uh, an, an anxiety disorder that, that manifested itself into into an eating disorder. And, and frankly, uh, I'm not it's tough to delineate exactly how much of that was uh, contributing towards my uh, disinterest and disengagement in, in soccer. Um, I mean, they both played a part, just my uh, general disinterest and unwillingness and then the actual, uh, you know, illness, if you will, disorder. Um, and, and it's kind of tough to think about sometimes, but, you know, that had a, a uh, significant effect on, on my interest in soccer and, and my performance. And, um, you know, it, it's, 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 like I said, it's tough to think about because what goes hand in hand with, with, uh, eating disorders in many instances is excessive or just this uh, sort of perfectionist view towards, you know, exercise and uh, achievement and physical fitness. And and that part of me was still very much alive. So that is kind of where running came into it. I mean, sophomore year of high school, uh, concurrently with soccer, I got into cross country, uh, but by no means was I, uh, did I have any intentions on, on one, being good at it or two, continuing it. It was, uh, you know, there were a few people, kids on my soccer team that, you know, it was kind of a trend to get into cross country as a, uh, as a means to, uh, uh, to, to, I guess, stay fit, if you will. But, um, it turned out I was, I was naturally pretty gifted. Um, you know, I was always, known among you know on the soccer team at the time as you know uh being like an energizer bunny so i guess i did have that innate uh 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 you know ability for for aerobic sport but to answer your question it's it's a convoluted kind of mix of uh of reasons that pulled me away from soccer and into running 
Um, long story short, I was good enough to catch the eye of, of the coach who is now, you know, a great friend and mentor at the university of Tampa. And, uh, long story short, you know, offered me a, a, a spot and, and scholarship on the team. And, uh, that kind of was a, a, a almost full circle moment, but in a parallel universe, because for so long I had, uh, you know, dreamt and, 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 uh, and fantasized about playing a different sport in college. And, and at one point in time, you know, beyond, uh, and so to, to end up actually, uh, quasi achieving that dream, but in a, in a different sport is, uh, um, you know, it's been an interesting journey to say the least. Um, <laughs> what? So there's a, there's, there's a long drawn out convoluted answer to a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a, a tough question to answer. Yeah, no, thanks for, yeah. thanks for answering that. Uh, can, can you speak a little bit to like what, I, I guess what your experience was like with mental health throughout high school? Um, Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to fill things in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would just, I would, I would, my personal experience in high school was, was hell. <laughs> I mean, that's, if I had to describe it in one word, it would be that. Uh, I mean, I was struggling with anxiety and to some extent some depression and, and, you know, really a lot of normal things that I didn't even realize one were normal or two that I was dealing with, have, you know, had an issue on my hands at the time. So it's almost taken hindsight for me to, you know, to really step back and, and, say wow that was uh yeah that was a tough period uh was i want to phrase this question the right way like were were you reaching out and getting help did you realize how i guess it is now i mean it is normal no. like it's no. not normal but it unfortunately is normalized <laughs> to struggle with these things i guess is what i'm trying to say but did you think it was abnormal that you were dealing with this? Were you just like, oh, I guess this is how life is? Were you asking for help? No, not at all. I mean, for one, I never asked or offered for help. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I, I think it, given the luxury of hindsight, I, I believe you know, I can't go back and don't I want to go back in time and actually feel those feelings, but at the time, but, you know, I, I, I think, uh, it, part of me, and, and I guess this is the crux of this whole conversation is that I viewed these things as normal, but I was handling them wrong or, you know, I was inherently wrong. And, and that was, you know, uh, now, given hindsight and professional help, like I, that makes so much sense, but I don't, you know, I definitely didn't see it that way in, in the moment, but that's how, uh, uh, you know, at least subconsciously, that's how, uh, how I kind of viewed the world that we all are feeling some type of way, maybe. And, and in my case, I was a little harder on myself because I, you know, clinically was, you know, dealing with, with social anxiety and anxiety to a greater level than, than I think the average person. But, you know, that's what I mean too, where I don't even know until, you know, 
it's until now really uh now you know loosely being a couple years ago that that uh that i was yeah, uh actually dealing with something legitimate here that that uh i was trying to cope with really i mean that was that was it uh uh you know the eating disorders and and, and was really a, a coping mechanism for uh you know for anxiety and uh uh it's like yeah you don't know what you don't know so uh a lot of of that and a lot of that subconscious has kind of come out in the past few years um how yeah it sounds like sounds like you went through a lot in high school and experienced a lot if you could look if you could look back and or go back and tell yourself one thing or like a piece of advice, something you wish you knew now, like that, you know, now, what would that look like? I mean, in part, I'm trying to manifest that I'm almost speaking to my past self right now. I mean, part of it's just seeing and hearing different stories, hearing different perspectives, you know, seeing someone that, uh, that could be a role model or seeing someone that did the exact same thing as you. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on of, of, you know, if someone can, can just fill that void and, 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 you know, shed some light or offer some credibility or some validity to your feelings or your predicament, like, you know, sometimes that, that can, can mean the world for someone. And, you know, certainly uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, you know, go at middle schooler and, and it going into high school, you know, the, the conversation on mental health was totally different, you know, or non-existent. So obviously, especially for, for men, you know, male athletes, uh, who would, have, you know, for male professional athletes who to some extent still are, but certainly more at the time, you know, were my role models, like you never heard about any sort of issues with related to mental health. Let, uh, especially, you know, anxiety or depression or any of the silent struggles. Um, because I also sh should say, should mention like, I, you know, I could, it's easy for me to say now high school was, was hell and it was in many respects, but from the outside, uh, and this also kind of compounded the, the things I was dealing with, like from the outside, I looked like a perfect, uh, in, in many instances, you know, perfectly healthy, happy child, uh, you know, like, it, and that, and that's where a lot of these issues are, are so tough because you don't know what's under someone, uh, what's, you know, within someone's skin and, and, and go, what's going on inside someone's mind. Um, so, you know, it's important to sort of, uh, pull the mask off, uh, and no matter what you look like with or without the mask on, it's important, you know, equally to, 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 to open that you know, open that up. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get a little bit into r running and running in college, um, especially being as like, it sounds like that, I mean, you kind of said it, that wasn't necessarily on your radar or something you could, could or wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm more so fat. I'm I've always been intrigued by running as a sport because I am I don't like running. I yeah. I I'm not great at it. Um, I have so much respect for 
runners, but I also have watched a lot of friends who ran struggle with body image and mm-hmm. performance. And I, I was never an individual. I didn't play any individual sport. So I was all a team sport yeah. person. And, and I think there's, there's different things with, yeah. I think team versus individual, like not saying one is harder than the other whatsoever. It's just different. And I think the pressure that an individual performance, like when it's truly just, you and you alone out there and if you're having an off day not being able to rely on a teammate i guess unless you're in a real life yeah. um but you know what i mean like for the most part it's like it's you you alone there's all this pressure on performance i feel like they were always talking to nutritionists um can you can you kind of dive into the world of running and if yeah. your expectation of it when you got to school was it way different just Give us the lay of the land there. Well, so to begin, I mean, to put, I think, some context that will help is to all runners are neurotic to some extent. Uh, And so, (laughs) you know, to be, uh, especially if if you're relatively good at it, you know, or successful at it, um, you're a grade A, you know, neurotic. And that doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, uh, no judgment there, but that and it, and it's uh, in and of itself lends itself to uh, some some bad habits to say the least. I mean, it, it, it's no you know there's no wonder there's uh, distance running and and other endurance, especially you know individual sports, uh, you know are, are a breeding ground for uh, mental health issues as compared to to you know other other athletes and other sports, um, you know, running is almost distance running is, is, uh, you know, sadly more synonymous with, you know, eating disorders than, than, you know, any other sport is synonymous with, uh, with the mental illness. So, you know, and that all kind of, it, 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 it's almost innate with, with the sport in and of itself. I mean, you hear about people, uh, you know, weekend runners and whatnot that go out to get the runners high. I mean, it, it's a real thing, uh, but it almost, it, it's no different than an actual drug. You know, it's like, I don't get that runner's high anymore or ever. Uh, and to do it, you got to keep doing more and more and more. And, and to be successful at running, you know, you've got to run faster, you got to run farther. So, you know, that sort of uh, uh, just context, understanding you know, what it takes to, to, to succeed at, at a sport like running distance running, uh, is if you filled in the blank, you know, if you took running out of it and filled it in with almost any other activity or hobby, like it would sound very, very, uh, you know, that that lifestyle would sound incredibly unhealthy. (laughs) Um, but you know, taking a step back when I, uh, you know, I was, I dabbled in running in high school a bit, but I wasn't, you know, running every day and training like, uh, like I was a runner. So when I got to college as a runner, uh, I mean, it totally, totally, uh, kicked my ass. I mean, I was completely ill-prepared for it. Uh, the, the number of miles we were running, you know, daily, weekly was, 
beyond anything I you know ever imagined. So it was a tough transition, and just uh, you know, I, I ultimately uh, you know st stuck it out and saw out all four years, and some years were good or some years were bad, some years were better than others. But just the fortitude to stick it out was what you know I'm most proud of because it was a sport that uh, I never really was in love with and got into you know like a, like we talked about in a very uh, unique convoluted way. But um, yeah, I've almost kind of taken a step back out of that whole uh, running lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, just because it's it's something that <laughs> there's a fine line between uh, a very very fine line between being like being a wholly healthy uh, avid and or successful you know distance runner and then being the complete opposite you know a total neurotic uh, mess. <laughs> Can you get more I guess like granular with that because like to me. I don't necessarily know like what, what that line is, like what goes it, like if that makes sense, like give the audience a little bit yeah. more about like the, I guess the mental side, one, maybe the mental side of running too. Um, that yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, distance running from, uh, you know, speaking in perspective, you know, high level competition, uh, you know, whether you're college athlete, professional, I mean, even high school uh, it, it's, it, it takes a tremendous amount of, of repetition and, and dedication and, uh, and it is very individual. So you're in your, you spend all your time in your own head. Uh, and that for many people that, that alone is a dangerous place to be, but running it, you know, it, and one thing that I think drove me to running, but also is where it's the danger zone is like with the men, you know, especially with an eating disorder, uh, people that are susceptible to an eating disorder, uh, you know, are, are, uh, um, perfectionists and a lot of good runners are perfectionists, uh, and, you know, so there are some common, and, and that's sort of individual sports too, as well, because you are responsible for, everything that happens you know swimming is another example tennis is a is, but so individual sports in and of itself lend themselves to a a control freak a uh, perfectionist you know someone who has complete autonomy over the training the process the environment the the the, the race day results um and so that sort of uh that sort of mindset, that sort of perspective, uh, is very, uh, uh, I mean, very similar to, to, to many anxiety, you know, related disorders, but particularly, you know, mental, or, um, sorry, uh, uh, uh eating disorders. And to, to conceptualize too, how you, how you train for running that might be different than like a team sport is that, uh, you know, it, it might be easier to, to conceptualize from someone who doesn't run, you know, if you want to, if you want to run a marathon and, you know, next year, uh, you're going to have to build up to it. Right. So if you go out running tomorrow, next week, you might, you might get a mile or two in, you know, at most, 
but eventually you'll uh uh you'll sort of that'll be that'll feel easy and you'll plateau at that level so the next you know what's the next way you could get can get better it's to run farther or to run faster and and um you know that that aspect is certainly different uh than most any other sport because sure you know with, with a team sport like soccer or basketball or football within the team unit you know you get faster uh you know together you make decisions quicker but it's it's not uh, it's not, you know, we're going to practice for 60 minutes today and then 75 minutes tomorrow and 90 minutes the next day, you know, whereas running is sort of that ladder approach where, uh, and that's sort of the, th th that, that mentality is, is often drilled into, to runners by, by their coaches. Cause that's how they got better, right? If you run 10 miles today, the way to get better is to run 11 miles tomorrow. And you can see how that, that's a slippery slope and that's a dangerous um, you know, that's a dangerous mentality. Uh, and, and speaking from personal experience, you know, that's, that's a tough place to be because if you run the, the, the uh, you know, if you've exhausted yourself and you can't exert more physical effort today, well, you know, th then you start looking for ways to other ways to get better. And many times those are, those are counter, you know, counterproductive, uh, like eating less, for example, is one way, you know, running has a distance running has a huge, uh, relationship with body image, uh, you know, for many reasons, one, you know, when you run, you don't, don't wear many clothes. So that's an obvious one. Right. But also, uh, and this was something that I believed wholeheartedly, you know, when I was running was that, male or female, regardless, like the, the less you weigh, the faster you're going to be. And that's a pretty terrible, uh, pretty terrible, uh, uh, one is just completely false, was, but <laughs> it's a gonna... terrible thing for people to tell one another I... is that if you just lose 10 pounds, you'll be so much faster. Where? Uh... <laughs> yeah. And I think that's fascinating. Cause like, yeah, yeah. But where, do you remember like when you started thinking that or like believing that that was the case? Um, I mean, when I, so it's tough. Cause I, I mean, I, I got, I was struggling with eating disorders before I, you know, fully got into running. Um, and actually like it started with more an obsession on healthy eating. I mean, that, uh, that actually is far more prevalent, especially nowadays among, among men. I mean, uh, you know, so that, when my issues first started with like a clear obsession over, over like healthy eating and, you know, how to add like the cleanest mass and bulk and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of, especially at the time, I, I don't know, I, I don't, uh, hang out or talk to you know, teenagers too much anymore, but you know, at the time I know among, you know, teenage boys, like weightlifting, bodybuilding, you know, body image are huge aspects of, of that. And, and so that's really where my eating disorder issues started was, you know, focusing on being too clean, trying to, you know, have like the, the perfect, uh, 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 the perfect nutritional and cal caloric intake and, you know, that's a slippery slope where it just went to 
ultimately, you know, it went the other way. Um, but, uh, you know, I went off going off on a tangent there because that's, that too is a, that is an eating disorder, uh, right. Restricting is, or, you know, not eating is the same, almost the same as eating too perfectly or too cleanly. Um, I mean, it's almost the same exact, uh, uh, compulsive behavior. I mean, it is just, uh, it just the result. It, it looks a little different on people. Um, yeah. but that's where it started. And then obviously when I get in, got into running distance running, it was very clear, like, uh, my freshman year of college now in an environment with, with most of these people had not done, not played other sports. You know, they were just runners. They were dedicated runners and they've been doing it since eighth or ninth grade. So it was, you know, pretty, I'd say widely, you know, widely accepted fact or knowledge with the asterisk that it's not fact <laughs> uh, at the time though, that weight is correlated to, to speed. Uh, and it just doesn't make any, uh, any, I mean, yeah, I understand with the right respect to boats and you think in airplanes and things like that, like, uh, with your th with regard to physics, it might make sense, but with respect to uh, uh, nutrition and sports science, it's completely, completely baseless. I, I want to, yeah, I want, yeah, I think, I think there's all these, when it comes to food and body image and, I think that some of it has gotten a lot worse with like social media and like not even just like performance wise, but like comparing body to body when everyone's yeah. bodies are so different, but like you idolize people in your sport and you want to kind of look like them. And it's like, sometimes genetics just aren't going to get you to you yeah. know exactly where they are. But what I want to talk about, because I, I, I think there. I believe there's a stigma around disordered eating when it comes to male athletes. <laughs> and I, I don't think that it's talked about. I think a lot of times when you think disordered eating, you think like young females, young female athletes. And I think there's just, there's, there's this idea of like, the male athlete in their sport and like what their body's supposed to look like and how they're supposed to perform to what you were saying, like lifting weights. Like, can you touch a little bit hmm. on even more onto like your experience with what you, you went through and disordered eating and, and kind of like how you felt like you would have been looked at, or if you felt like it was not acceptable for yeah. a, a man to be like, can you talk a little bit on that? Sure. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I completely agree. And that's, well, that's the basis for, for, for doing this because I, uh, you know, as a male going, you know, what I went through was almost doubly hard because, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that fundamental feeling of, of like, I'm wrong or I'm doing something wrong was just magnified by the fact that I was like struggling with, uh, what I thought was a, a, a woman's disorder, right? Like that's anyone that's, uh, you know, especially rewinding the tape 15 years ago, uh, you know, looking for some, you know, looking for people, notable people that, you know, suffered from any type of disordered eating, like 
would result in, you know, hundred percent females. And it was, you know, mostly, you know, some, some athletes, some, you know, actresses, um, but that was it. And, you know, I, I can tell you firsthand, you know, people, all genders, all ages, all body types you know, suffer from disordered eating. Uh, and, and, but, but that burden of shame, the added burden of shame for, for feeling wrong about just the type of, <laughs> uh, uh, disorder or illness I, I was suffering from like added, you know, just another, another burden on top of just the actual fundamental, like what is, you know, what's going on? What am I dealing with? There was that, that second layer of like, how, how am I ever going to tell someone about this? Because as you mentioned it, it, you know, it was ingrained in me. The, I mean, I still deal with, with stigmatizing myself and, and stigmatizing others. I mean, I still deal with it. It's an ongoing, right. You can't just talk about uh, the stigma and then it goes away the next day. Right. It's something that, uh, you know, there's years and years and years of, of programming that, that go, that go into those. So, yeah, just opening up the hood and talking about it as a male um, is is uh, uh, I think incredibly important for for future future men because uh, yeah, I mean anyone's susceptible to it. But disordered eating looks different too. I mean, I've I think uh, I can't say I'm up to date with with all the different types and variations of eating disorders, but I've pretty much run the gamut, you know, from, from restricting to purging to overeating to, uh, to eating too healthy or obsession with eating too healthy. And, and that latter one is, you know, I, I, I don't mention it, uh, you know, to call anyone out or, or shame anyone that, uh, or try to shine a spotlight on people that, you know, do like to eat clean and healthy, but, uh, I think especially among men, like that is uh, a disordered eating uh, variety that is only, uh, I guess, getting worse or getting larger, uh, getting larger and me getting worse. Uh, but yeah, like to your extent, you know, someone, someone not eating at all is, it's the same condition, the same illness as someone who hyper scrutinizes everything they eat to the point where it affects, you know, when it affects your life in a negative fashion, like that's obviously when it becomes a, a problem. Uh, so there are people that over, you know, overanalyze and, and uh, over scrutinize their, their eating. And, and that for, for some people that can be uh, just as detrimental to their, to their daily lives as, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum is. back to Kyle in a moment. I want to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in honor of Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved sister, daughter, friend, and incredible student athlete. Our mission at Morgan's message is simple. Amplify stories, resources, and expertise to strengthen student athlete mental health building a community by and for athletes through peer-to-peer -peer conversations, and providing a platform for advocacy. 
Our vision is to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community, expand the dialogue and normalize conversations, and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. If you want to find out more, if you want to get involved, whatever that looks like, you can head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this like idea now too, with like people have different ideas around like what healthy eating means. Some people I think think it's like eat salads all the time and may neglect like protein in their diet or not get enough fiber. And so that's, that's where I think it's some of these like fads or trends or even like. And eating disordered eating all it stems from anxiety, but it's all about control. So yes, someone who is restricting or purging is exerting, they're just exerting control in a different fashion than someone who is, uh, who is measuring like the protein and, you know, in their powder or their chicken breast to the, you know, yeah. to, to a gradient level scale, yeah. uh, you know, uh, like I eat like a body, I mean, bodybuilding is like a science, but, uh, people that are, you know, bodybuilders are almost just as, just as susceptible to disordered eating as like a, a, a skinny distance runner. So it's not also like, uh, you know, there's stigmas too around, uh, around that. We've talked to, you know, a lot about distance running and it's not just about distance running, you know, anyone can, yeah. uh, can, can fall uh, prey to, to disordered eating. Yeah. Um, but it's all, it all stems around that, that control and that basis and need for, for control. And, and you can exert control, you know, several different ways, whether it's not eating at all, or it's eating too much. It's, it's basically the same difference, uh, it, in, in that respect coming, stemming from control. Yeah. With that, I, I'd love to get into your Instagram. I know you have an Instagram. He cooks. Co, can you tell a little bit about like background on why you why you kind of you know in a website like put these recipes out like what has what has that kind of been for you in your journey throughout like your relationship with food? Yeah, I mean, for one, I've I've been cooking for as long as I can remember. Uh, during and in spite of you know any disordered eating. Uh, and so I would, I mean, next to sport, that's probably like one of my first true passions. And, and, uh, obviously with some years of, of disordered eating mixed in, it's, it's not been a consistent, uh, effort, but especially of late, you know, the recent past few years, I mean, I, I the, 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 the dry, you know, cooking and some other like passion projects and hobbies or, or some things. Uh, I mean, it, it's all relating to, to this story. I mean, it, I'm trying to invest more, more time and, and, in you know, passion projects, side projects, hobbies, and, and, uh, and cooking is one of those that checks, not only checks the box, but, you know, also, uh, relating to this entire conversation, uh, it, it was sort of a, I almost had a, you know, 
it's not flushed out. It's something brand new, but I, you know, ultimately I want to use, uh, use me as a platform or my platform to, 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 to share this story. And, and, you know, we've been talking for 50 minutes and I just barely scratched the surface of some of the things I, you know, intended to, to talk about because it's, it's, uh, it, it's been a long, you know, tough, uh, convoluted complex journey, but, uh, you know, I can't just stand on the street corner with a megaphone and, and tell people about it. So, you know, cooking and, and making a platform is, is, uh, you know, it's, in part uh to sort of fulfill and and uh and satisfy you know that that need to do more you know passion project but also a platform to to speak out about mental health but particularly from my you know unique perspective um so that's my goal there uh and and it's you know ironic is probably not the right word but it's the only one I could think of, you know, it, it, it is ironic to, uh, you know, this is, I guess, touches back on that, that control aspect I mentioned, you know, it is ironic to have had such a long and, and troubled history with eating disorders and be passionate about cooking food. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's an, uh, irony, uh, maybe irony is the word, but I'm sure there's a better one to, to describe the, uh, the predicament um <laughs> but you know one thing too is is cooking has also been a vessel to to sort that exhibit that control so you know i don't restrict i don't look at uh you know calories or macros too much anymore um you know i try to base it all on on uh on, on you know I, I i try to eat it as intuitively as possible and that's much easier said than done but you know, cooking, I have absolutely, when it comes to cooking and eating, I have no, no rules and no restrictions. It's whatever looks good and sounds good. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and it's honest and authentic. So cooking right now is, is synonymous with, with where I'm at in life. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Where I want to go. That's awesome. Um, we are coming up on time. Yeah. Um, so I like to close with some closing questions. Um, my first question is what's been the biggest lesson throughout kind of, and this is, this feels like a very broad question, but throughout like all of your experiences, what's been like the biggest lesson or learning that you have continued to carry with you today? Oh, man, um, the biggest, I mean, I, I'd say there's probably several answers that could qualify as the right answer for that. So what's coming to mind most or what's coming to my first is, is that by and large, generally speaking, people, people want to help you. People want to help one another. Uh, as opposed to, you know, everyone's out to get you. No one cares about you. Uh, you know, that's my my perspective on on just everything. But you know, life as a whole has uh, shifted more towards the former. I mean, the latter is certainly how I viewed life uh, as a teenager, and uh, and there are some instances and people that you know would support that. But 
by and large, you know, the vast majority of people out there are accepting, do want to help, uh, and, you know, are generally interested in, and, and one another and what one another has to say. So just conceptualizing that and kind of, uh, is, is helpful in any aspect, but certainly just getting started, right. Saying I don't, right. I mean, that, that's a huge, uh, uh, hindrance to someone, you know, saying I, I'm, I'm not okay or, or something's going on or, or just opening up, uh, that I found was, you know, tremendously beneficial, uh, mindset shift. Totally. Um, thank you for sharing that. My, my last closing question is what are you most grateful for? Uh, most grateful for, you know, uh, related to that last question, I'd say the people, I mean, this is a very general answer. I could mention, you know, people specifically, but I'd say the people, you know, the closest friends and family, uh, you know, I have, cause ultimately, uh, you know, they're the reason I'm, you know, I'm here today. Uh, so friends, family, and, and, you know, by extension, people that have, have, uh, have loved, cared, and, you know, appreciated me along the way are, is what I'm most grateful for in this moment. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. Um, I had a blast chatting with you and I think we talked about a lot of really important topics. So thank you so much for being willing to come on and be honest and vulnerable with all of your experiences. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Happy to share. Another huge shout out to Kyle for coming on the mental matchup. I am so grateful that he, you know, wants to use his platform and his experiences to talk about, to, to kind of broaden this conversation and is willing to talk about what he has gone through. Um, I, I think it's just amazing. Um, I also find it so fascinating, you know, team sport versus individual sport and, just how he was able to get into the sport that he ended up doing collegiately. Um, big kudos all around to Kyle for being so honest and willing to come on the mental matchup and share his story. If you want to follow um, He Cooks Co., you can find him on Instagram at He Cooks Co. If you want to get in touch with the mental matchup, come on, share your story, whether it's on our written blog or on our podcast, you can head to morgansmessage.org, click on the mental matchup. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's message, you can head to morgansmessage.org or you can go to Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, follow along, um, learn more about us, whatever that looks like for you, that's where you can do it. And with that, I will see you next episode.
another huge shout out to Kyle for coming on the mental matchup. I am so grateful that he, you know, wants to use his platform and his experiences to talk about, to, to kind of broaden this conversation and is willing to talk about what he has gone through. Um, I, I think it's just amazing. Um, I also find it so fascinating, you know, team sport versus individual sport and just how he was able to get into the sport that he ended up doing collegiately. Um, big kudos all around to Kyle for being so honest and willing to come on the mental matchup and share his story. If you want to follow, um, he cooks co you can find him on Instagram at he cooks co. If you want to get in touch with the mental matchup, come on, share your story, whether it's on our written blog or on our podcast, you can head to morgansmessage.org, click on the mental matchup. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's message, you can head to morgansmessage.org or you can go to Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, follow along, um, learn more about us, whatever that looks like for you, that's where you can do it. And with that, I will see you next episode.